welcome to the Destined for Success podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Takagi, and this podcast used to be called New Manager Media, Manage Right from the Start. Many of the concepts are the same, but there's a little shift. There's a shift because I know we are all destined for success, and I want to help you find the fastest, smoothest way to reach your highest best as quickly as possible. Join me in today's episode where you're going to come up with new ways to build your skills and influence others to make the impact you desire to make. I look forward to connecting with you soon. Welcome to Destin for Success. I'm your host, Jennifer Takagi, and I have another amazing guest. Today's Potapalooza Day. And we get to meet all kinds of amazing, brilliant people. And now I have Drisella Mugare Weta. Did I get close? I Very did. Close. Very <laughs> close. Yes, you did. Drisella is in Knoxville, Tennessee. She's joining us from there. The power of the internet and electricity, all the things. So I loved your. Like your mission in the world is diversity in action, global movement. I've been asked if I have a movement, if I have a mission, I kind of don't yet. Like I do, but I don't have words for it. So I love that you have clear words and your talk title is baking diversity for profit within organizations. You have me all the way around wrapped into that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this? My name is, uh, as you said, Drosella Mugorewera. My other name is the Diversity Trust Builder, uh, because I do believe that when uh, when there is a trust between people, they can do business together, they can grow together, they can uh, just do anything they want together. Uh, I'm originally from Rwanda, and I came to America in 2009 as a refugee. So I fled my country because of persecution based on my opinion. And then I was separated from my children for two years, my husband for a year. And I'm grateful that uh, through uh, the U.S. refugee program, America not only welcomed me, but they facilitated also the family reunification. All the children are here. They are great professionals. They are growing. My son made me a grammar, and I'm so happy. So when I came to America, even if I was a member of government and parliament in Rwanda, I was hoping that with my experience, I will come to America and then I can transfer what uh, skills and talents I had. Surprisingly, my uh, first job was $6.55 an hour. And I didn't have a right uh, to refuse or to wait to see if there is another opportunity because by government's policies, you have just to accept the first job they are giving to you. So then I moved from $6.55 an hour to $8, $12. In 2015, the agency that welcomed me wanted an executive director, and I said, yes, I understand the background of refugees. I have a story to tell. I have credibility. Why don't I apply? So I did apply three weeks without any response. I said, mm. I did 100 applications. This one is same like others. Fortunately, they say you can just uh, come for uh, an interview. And then the second time, the second interview, they, they scheduled a date and then they pull it closer. They say, hmm, they may need me. 
So I won the position and I served as executive director for Bridge Refugee Services for six and a half years. And then later on, I felt like I had a bigger call, just not to serve refugees, but uh, I felt a call to work with African-Americans, the police department, and then serving refugees and immigrants. And then when I was saying, God, how would I do this? And then I met a branding coach, Sammy Brindell, and uh, we worked together and I said, this is who, what I see and what I want to do. And then she said, I want to do something in diversity because I see a lot of uh, lacks and I can be the bridge um, to build uh, the trust between authorities and the communities they serve. And then she said, probably you can name you the diversity trust builder. I didn't even know what a firm name is, but now when I say Drosella, the diversity trust builder, you can guess what am I about, you know? So uh, last year, 2022, in June, I resigned from the executive director position to come to build this uh, global movement and to speak about diversity, resilience, but also embracing change. So this is why I am here and I want to help CEOs and other corporate decision makers committing to uh, embracing and um, uh, backing diversity in the organization to show them the steps, not only to launch the initiatives, but also to sustain. So I show them uh, five steps, uh, starting from uh, declaring that they are committed because all start from commitment, but the commitment cannot just be words or in your hearts. You have to tell the public, you have to tell the world why diversity matters for you. Uh, and then you have to tell the story, how did you get to that uh, uh, realization? And the second phase a step will be um, to just work on your, define your goals and metrics, because you have to measure from where you are to where you want to go. If you don't measure and you have indicators, it's like you are stagnant. The third um, step is uh, just to find resources. You know, sometimes you put, position there for somebody who is in charge, but you don't give them money. But I'm talking about not only the personnel, the finances, but the infrastructure, if you have to change the building. If, for example, I speak five languages, there are many people who uh, are losing money on the table because uh, they don't leverage linguistic diversity. So what infrastructure are you putting in place so people can be in feel included and belonging really? And then uh, you have to have a training plan. There are many things you know and they don't know and your staff, your partners and your clients should be trained about diversity and how people can work together uh, to increase revenues and profit. And after having all that in place, if you have that training plan, so you have to deliver and then celebrate success and celebrate your team. So, uh, and, and this is a continuous process because you evaluate and you adapt and uh, you see where you have to be flexible with um, your staff and your clients. So then you can just have, uh, enjoy your business and value everybody on the team. Oh my gosh, there's so much there. Uh, I love this so much. And <clears throat> I'm also a baker. And I love the fact that it's baking diversity for profits. And so when you have a recipe, I 
always follow the recipe exactly when I first get it, like step-by-step exact Mm -hmm. measurements. And then once it comes out, I'm like, oh, wait, what if I did this? What if I made a change? So I love the fact that when you get to the end, you need to evaluate and adapt because that recipe might be really good, but you might need to tweak it. So I love that you threw that in. And celebrating your team. I've done some change management training. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's one of the key components that's left out. We we don't take the time to celebrate the change, the implementation, the actual result. Like if it's a, a project that comes to fruition, it's completed. Yeah. yeah. We don't jump up and down and celebrate. And I think mm-hmm. that's where people get burned out. Yes. It's like we just they, go to the next project. Yeah. And 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 they don't feel like they are valued enough. Um, and some people also say only some people are recognized. I, I read the book, The Joy in Business, and I think I had a copy here from um, uh, Joy uh, Bydridge. And uh, she did recommend, like, what if an organization or a company has... Uh, because of you award and this award will circulate so you do something good and tomorrow it can be Drusella after tomorrow it can be Jennifer and then it can be John it can be Joram you know and everybody will feel like they are celebrated and they are enjoying and then when they are motivated they are more engaged and then this is where the productivity is also increased. I love that. We just we just don't do it enough. So I'm just going to kind of go backwards just a little bit because we've just yeah. celebrated that we did it. But yeah. to get to that point, you have to have a learning plan. And have you found that some organizations don't give their personnel enough time to adapt to the change? Yes, many, many organizations. They just want to do this and this. Even like the onboarding uh, process, it's like burned. You know, you don't take the time to show the process to see if uh, it is digested. You just pump, 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 and this is how people gain burnout. And then the turnover, you know, uh, it's in, in trillions of dollars now in companies. So uh, I think uh, we, we rush the process of uh, enrolling people, uh, training them, if the training plan exists, and if it is followed, if it is evaluated. So I I agree with you. So yeah, I do agree with you. Along those lines, I often found in my career that we didn't necessarily know why we were doing it or why we were doing it that way. And so to go back to the kitchen metaphor, the daughter gets married, she's going to bake a ham. She goes to cut the end off the ham and she calls her mom. She goes, mom, why do we cut the end off the ham before mm-hmm. we it? And the mom says, Oh, well, cause your grandma did. And she goes, well, why did grandma? And she goes, I don't know. Call your grandma. She calls mm-hmm. grandma. And she said, why do we cut the end off the ham? And she said, oh, the hams were too big. They wouldn't fit in my casserole dish. So I had to cut the end off so it would fit. Mm. Now the daughter has a bigger pan. She doesn't need to cut the end off the ham, but it's the same way in business. Like somebody Mm. somewhere knows why doing it this way or this process is important. 
But when we don't take the time to pass that down to the people actually doing the work, then their motivation goes out the door, their commitment goes out the door. And so building that into that learning process and giving people a time to really adjust to it is so critical. And one, one other thing I noticed that is very valuable, just going even beyond the job description. You know, you are more than the job description when you apply for a position. So what I, I have done as a director, but which is the best practice, you ask your employees, what else, what are other skills and talents they have, they want to use, because when they do that, it benefits you and benefits them because they feel fulfilled. So I, I was fortunate. Um, I always volunteered. If any training came up, I was volunteered mm. to, to do it because I enjoyed it. I enjoyed really learning the material and then sharing it with other people. And so that ended up being critical in my life because mm. I had done it so much. I got called and asked to train for a year across mm -hmm. the country and I did. Wow. And then I worked myself out of a job because they had a major reorganization. So I I left. I was given two options, retire or relocate. And I ran out the door. Mm. Somebody recognized I had a gift and a talent for teaching and training. And they let me do that in addition to my regular job. Like it wasn't my daily thing. But yeah. when it came up, I was the go-to girl. Yes. So it's important to know what their talents are. Mm -hmm. And if you don't spend time with your people, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Okay. And then the resources. We used to have a lot of trouble because they'd come up with these brilliant ideas, these brilliant plans, but then there was no money or mm -hmm. no people or neither. Mm -hmm. And so how critical is that to the overall implementation of a any type of change plan or diversity type situation? So if you don't allocate resources, you, you stay where you are. <laughs> you are doing the business as usual. <laughs> so this is why you have to find resources. And even if they are not enough, doing just something with the little. And then tomorrow when you get more, uh, you, you, you have to uh, continue to go to the next step. And also what I have seen uh, within nonprofit world, for example, people think that there is a lot of competition, but uh, the uniqueness, people do not transcend their uniqueness and how they deliver services. And this is what in even the coaching and the speaking, you know, many people were telling me, oh, Drusilla, uh, there is a lot of um, uh, experts in the diversity area. They wanted to scare me, but as I said, nobody will bake. You know, my UBS is mine. Nobody will teach the way I teach. Nobody will share the story the way I share the story. Nobody will share the experience the way I share it. So I think just people are afraid of things that they don't know or what they listen just in hinder their development. So about resources, being human, being financial, being physical infrastructure, all that is needed to make progress in the technology, you know, the technology. Huh? Yeah, you've got to have it yeah. and it's got to work. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then uh, defining goals and matrix, like 
it's that old story of where do you want to go? Like all paths lead somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which path yeah. do you want to get on and where do you want to go? Yeah. Mm. yeah. So it, it's not enough to say I am pro. Now, yes, you are. How? With what? You know, how will you get there? The steps, the investment, all those things. And then how you will measure that you move from A to Z. Yes. And we, mm. we need to know, and your people need to know, right? I mean, yeah. they need to know that their piece, mm-hmm. because everybody in an organization has a very important role to, yes. to get you towards that matrix. And the commitment, I want to spend a minute on this commitment because <laughs> you talk about the commitment and telling the story of how you got to where you are. But the piece I really love is tell the world. We had a little piece of our project was writing your change story, like why change is needed. Either I was super slow or it wasn't explained well because I did not do a good job writing my change story. Mm-hmm. But why does it matter to tell the world? I have my own ideas, but I'm just dying to hear why that is the number one thing that they need to do is the commitment and telling their story to the world. So in our world, we were talking about technology and uh, infrastructure. Say your, your website is your official house. If I want to work with you, I will come to see the company's values, the company's history. And if I, I see that there is no commitment about diversity, how we treat your people, your clients, your, your partners, and if I will have a word, if I will be celebrated, do you think that I would have attracted to I said, that is not a welcoming environment I want to be in. And this is why people even who are uh, committing to embedding diversity in their organization, they have to remember that people will not find out if they don't tell the world that this is who we are, what we believe, and how did we get here, and why it does matter for us to uh, promote diversity within our organization. I love it. I love it. So how do you work with people? Do you work with individuals or just mostly organizations? How do you work with people? So my motto is business to businesses. So I mostly want to work with corporations. Uh, and uh, I, as I told you, I had a call to work with police departments. Uh, and I want to help them to see how, for example, in diversity, the language and uh, verbiage matters. If you see the tension between uh, the police and the minority, what are the words, for example, should come from the mouth of a policeman uh, pulling over a black man who is traumatized even by seeing just the police car? So what what can they do? And, and then how can they have uh, joint activities, sometimes not in uniform, because when I see you in uniform, I see you as on the job. I don't see you as a human being like me. So uh, this is why uh, I think uh, working with corporations, because when they win, our communities also win. If they they, they, they leverage diversity in their organization and then uh, they have profit and revenues, well, they will, they will give back. 
to the communities. And then if the communities trust the organization, they will be loyal, they will be more productive, more engaged, and then they get benefits. It, it will benefit the uh, employees and then to benefit the families, the communities where they come from. So I think it's a win-win and people do not have just to, to fear about uh, diversity because even those one who are thinking that their liabilities, I know Americans think most of the time in liabilities, but it's like having legal advisor for everything. So you have legal advisor for something if something happens and you have insurance that can cover things, but you don't plan uh, based on the fears. You know, if there are risks, no risk, no reward. So you just go. And then if there are risks that are happening, you manage them. I love it. So as we have audience members listening, some are entrepreneurs, some small business owners, and some people work in organizations. If we wanted to refer you to someone or, you know, at an organization that you could help, how would we get hold of you? Yeah, so they can, you. Yes, my w- website is uh, I am on LinkedIn under Drosella Mugorewera, D-E-I, D-I-A, Diversity in Action. And then uh, uh, my e- email is simple, drosella at drosella.com. So I made it easier for people to reach out. Uh, and if you want to have more conversation, we can schedule a 15 minutes to keep conversation going. I, I, I wouldn't tri- be interested to learn uh, what they hear from the communities, what are the challenges, uh, assumptions, uh, worries, and then opportunities also are there. So I'm planning to organize also um, like diversity in action right down tables. And I am looking for ambassadors who will chair those tables and convene sessions everywhere. This is why I'm building global movement and uh, having a network of ambassadors of diversity. I love it. So anyone listening, if you are a solopreneur as I am, I may not need as much of this like as building my business, right? But I know people who do. So be sure to spread the word. And Drisella, I'm so happy to have gotten to know you today and to hear your story and your message of immigrating and finally getting your husband and children with you and your new grandbaby. So thank you so much for your time and sharing your story with us. And thank you. And also for solopreneurs, you know, you have funnels. Think about one of the things I'm concerned about is like generational trauma and poverty. So think about different levels, you know, uh, of development, when you develop the funnels, when you speak, who do you invite, how do you communicate, how do you share the information so many people will know about what you do because uh, of uh, the discrimination and other things uh, I, I saw sometimes I'm in the room as just one African-American and I say, where, where are others? And I, I wonder if the information was well communicated, but I do invite everybody, just search for somebody who doesn't look like you or who never grew up in your neighborhood and start a relationship. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you too. I'm Jennifer Takagi. I'm Jennifer Takagi and I look forward to connecting with you soon. Thank you for taking your time to spend with me on this latest podcast of Destined for Success. 
please take a moment to leave a review, share it with a friend, and subscribe and get the newest episodes every Monday morning. I'm Jennifer Takagi, and I look forward to connecting with you soon.